Morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Thursday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day of the week is for you that you're tuning in. We've been talking about this concept of discomfort in speech and discomfort in thought. And we're doing it for a reason. Scott, I was a great guy, stopped me two days ago to talk about the show. And we were talking about it. I was with him after prayer service and he was giving me his thoughts and I was appreciative of them. He's a great guy, very smart. And along the way, what came out was what I think is the goal of these past few few days. And I've been saying it, but I want to keep on saying it, which is when I... When we're saying things like be uncomfortable with the person and you and you that are listening, I hope, is picturing that person. And you're probably, if you're doing it correctly, picturing the conversation. Maybe getting upset, maybe feeling like you could do it. When we stop and we think about that person who is causing us problems in life. And have to spend a few minutes thinking, wait, maybe it's the insecurity that's driving them. And the best thing I could do for them is give them some level of honor. This happens sometimes when, very rarely, God's really good to me. But every once in a while, I'll get an email from somebody that's, I think, to be completely inappropriate. Um, it's just fine. When I was younger, I would draft long responses. If they really watched what I said, I didn't mean that, but they were just. And as I got older, I realized, like, what's the point? You think a person is watching and is taking their time to send the negative email because they're really looking for a debate on the issue. What do they need? It's not me debating what I meant or what they agreed with, whether they liked something or not. Of course, constructive criticism is critical to get better, but sometimes what people really need is just a validation. The, the time that you spend thinking about that, as my rabbi would teach me, is holy time. You know, if you study a page of Talmud or you go to a synagogue on Yom Kippur and you think about your life and someone says, hey, on a level of one to 10, how holy was those thoughts? And you'd be like, what? I'm studying Torah. I'm studying the Bible. I'm studying Talmud. I'm going to a class. I'm sitting in a synagogue on the holiest day, thinking about my life. I mean, like one to 10, that's pretty much a 10. But if it's a random Thursday and you're driving or walking or listening when you're sitting and in your head is that family member and you're spending time going, wait, do they need me to have a real conversation with them? Do they need honor? Is it insecurity? What level of holiness is that? What level of holiness 
When I mean holiness, I mean spirituality. Holiness is the manifestation of spiritual. Right? People confuse this. They think if it's a ritual, it's holy. And if it's not a ritual, it's not holy. It's not true. Spirit, rituals bring out spirituality. Spirituality comes out when the spirit comes out, when the soul is manifest. So if you're sitting around and going, wait, I just got offended. Did I get offended because of what they said? Or did I get offended because of what's bubbling up inside me and I know it to be true? This happened recently to me. I was, someone did something and I was like, in my head thinking through the response and I stopped and I'm like, wait, are they wrong? Or did they trigger something inside me that like is really something that I have to work on in something totally different area, but it's manifesting. What level of holiness is that? What value is that in your life? So if you live in a physical material world, you're like, it's not valuable. It's not a ritual. I'm not saying Hebrew words. It's also not getting me anything done. Just thinking. Splitting hairs over how to talk to somebody. And I believe what I got from my rabbi in Israel is that that stuff is actually maybe of the holiest things you can do. I'm not a big rabbi. I'm a big, I'm a nobody. And maybe I got it wrong. But I think I got it close. You want to know what holiness is? It's sitting around and thinking, how do I relate to somebody better? How do I say the right words? How do I have a conversation that's hard for me, but it's right for us? How do I not have a conversation that's good for me, but it's wrong for us? How- How do I suck it up and smile to bring peace? Now, again, if you're getting, if you're a rag and you feel like you're getting pummeled on, you may need to see somebody. I don't want to give one general, because there's a lot of people that have been sucking it up for 20 years and going like, hey, what about me? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about dysfunctional relationships in which you are like the person who's always taking it on the gym. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the normal course of human interaction and us moving plus one with our relationships by being able to be comfortable in the, uh, in the discomfort, by teaching and finding the mental muscles that we didn't even know were there, to be driving in that car and spending our time randomly putting on some podcast that maybe there's a couple that are really good and everything else is just a repetition of everything else. I remember when podcasts were started and it was like 10 of them. Now it's like everyone else interviewing everyone else on the same exact thing that everyone else is talking about. Like how much can you digest? There's a few of them that are phenomenal. There's a lot of them. That's nice, but like, do we need another podcast? Because it's difficult to spend that time concentrating on emotions that I've never really had to split hairs on. I don't have those muscles. I never worked that part of my body out.
was younger, I remember I played two sports in high school. And I remember my, I thought I had it down, but there were two different sports. And I remember in the first few practices of, of the, the second sport, I remember feeling pain that I didn't even know I felt. It was because I never had played the sports before. For some miracle, I ended up on the team and I went from like, literally from like zero to 60. And there were parts of my body that were, and I never felt them before because it wasn't basketball. I lived and breathed and dreamed basketball from inception, from my birth. Michael Jordan wasn't just a guy. He was my best friend. His posters, Wheaties, Air Jordans, the, 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 the band on the top thing. I stuck out my top. Michael Jordan, basketball, the game. I walked with the ball. I dribbled on my left hand. I ate with the ball. I shot around every day. Like, I knew the muscles of what, and maybe, again, and I'm, I was, like, listen, I'm, I'm a white Jewish boy. And I'm saying I wasn't, like, exactly, like, making a DMV, although I thought I was when I was younger. But still, for my own build and body. I knew how those muscles worked. I knew what it felt like to be sore in your legs. I knew what it feel, felt like to be able to be exhausted on the sprints. All right, go Falcons. And basketball has a certain, your body flows in a certain way with basketball. So you do it when you're young. Then I played another sport in high school and the first few practices, I was, I never, I was feeling muscles I didn't know existed before. There are muscles in our minds that we don't know exists. There are emotional muscles of why do I feel this? There's empathy muscles of can I look at somebody who is so destructive and find the underlying cause of his or her words because they make no sense because they keep on hurting people. And the easiest thing to do is to pile on this person. The easiest thing to do is when somebody calls me about this person is to agree. But to think about that person who I'm related to, who I'm friends with, who I sit next to and wherever, who I work with. Forget like the world. Forget like watching the news and being like those people, just the people in my life. And to think about, wait, is it insensitivity or is it insecurity? Do I say it or don't I say it? Was that me or was it them? That's holy, man. That, in my opinion, from what I got from my rabbi, is like sitting over a page of Talmud. And the Talmud's different. It's got different light, different energy. I'm not equating the two. I'm just creating the value in this one. That's sitting over something and using your mind and your emotions and your heart in a way that is spiritually analytical that's what it is emotional analysis is spiritual and once you get to a place where you feel comfortable in the uncomfortable 
you begin to walk out of the tunnel into the light. You see, what happens? Let me just let's get to, let's get down here a little bit. You know, and we've sp- spoken of him a lot. There's a man named, you know, Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for economics, and he's a psychologist. Because he he introduced or he um, popularized or he integrated the theory of behavior to economics, behavioral economics. To a straight economist, people are like cogs. Supply, demand, buying, purchasing, markets. But to somebody like a psychologist, people are not cogs. Behavior needs to be laced into economics. Markets don't move based on the profits and losses of a company. They move also based on news and hysteria and and president's words and excitements and um, panic. These are... These are real things that make differences. You don't make a purchase because it makes sense. You make a purchase because of an emotion. People go out and buy brands, not because they're like, well, if I can multiply the brand's quality, they only do that afterwards. You know, when someone buys a brand for, of something that costs like 10 times what they can get it on the street and someone goes, well, and he goes, well, it's quality. Maybe, maybe it's quality and maybe it's the brand. And the emotional feeling you get when you walk into a room and the thing that you're wearing doesn't just have better quality. It has a symbol on it that people identify with wealth or with style. There's an emotional piece to this. There is a behavioral piece to economics. One of Kahneman's concepts is that we are all inherently biased. So even when we make decisions, they're biased decisions. One of the greatest biases that we have is the bias of effort. In that when when we have two choices before us, one requiring more effort than the other, we subconsciously incline towards the one with the least effort. And then we make believe that that was the best decision. All right, let's go back to our brand example because I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. When you walk into a room, into a store, and you want to buy something and you look at the price tag, what is potentially really going on is you're going, if I had these shoes with this brand, I feel stylish, successful, whatever. And you can almost taste Walking into a room once you're wearing them and people going, wow. And the feeling you get when someone goes, wow. Even if they don't get it, you can see the twinkle in their eyes when you drive down with that car. Or when they come into that thing. So when you're about to make the purchase, let's just be straight. It's okay to do it. Like, do it. Just do it with, with let's just do it with our minds. Like, it's okay to do what we want, so to speak. I don't believe that, but whatever. It's okay to do stuff, but just be, let's be straight with ourselves. When we go into a store and we're about to make a purchase that doesn't make economical sense for an emotional reason, for a societal reason, 
and we make the purchase. What happens next is, well, it's better quality. It's really much better to do it. It's safer. Sometimes you'll get that. It's safer to get that thing. I'm only going to get one and I'd rather have one nice thing. I need it for the next 40 years. Whatever. Well, it's okay. But I want you to see the process. I'm emotionally connected to the object and the brands know that, which is why they pick certain people to represent that. It's not like a shocker. And once I make an emotional decision, I use my brain to rationalize why that makes intellectual sense. I emotionally want to buy those things because I want to feel loved, respected, successful. I want people to look at me. I want to feel good about myself. I need something that's an object to make me feel good about myself. I got to go somewhere. I had this once a guy called me looking for a job. I asked him like a couple of questions. He goes, I'm away next week. Where are you going? Because he's going on some fancy vacation. I said, I thought you were looking for a job. Because I know, but I can't not go on vacation because of the way it looks. I'm like, you're going to drop 25 grand for a weekend to go to this fancy place when you're calling because you need a job? Because of the way it looks? Yeah. I'm not judging it. I don't know. That may be very important to him and his family. It may be much deeper. It's fine. It's emotional. And then later, well, when I go, it's because if I, this happens and this happens, okay, it's fine. People can spend what they want to spend on. And I'm not, God forbid, I never want to be, everyone should do what they do. I just want to make sure that we're clear with our thinking. Emotionality is what makes certain decisions. And then intellectualism rationalizes them. We can talk about this for the next two days, but we won't. I just want to bring it to what we're talking about now. Emotionality, which is I don't want to be uncomfortable, is what makes certain interrelational decisions. And then we justify it. They're wrong. Our brain goes, it's really hard for you to figure this out. And it's really hard for you to have a hard conversation. Emotionally, you're going to be exhausted. Don't do it. Ah, I'm going to choose comfort. And then your brain kicks in and goes, I got you. Don't worry. You don't feel bad about yourself. I got this. Your brain's like, guilt? I got guilt. Don't worry. Watch this. They're wrong. They won't listen. This is ridiculous. It's a waste of time. They're met. Blah, 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 blah. If we could start to emotionally look and be comfortable in discomfort, when it comes to relationships, this is a huge level that if we get on, if we get to this level, this show and all of the, whatever we did episodes is worth it. It's all worth it. If me and you can say, I am willing to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, at least with regards to relationships. And so I am okay with it. Now we are limiting the emotionalness of the decision. And now we are freeing our mind to do what's right. Not to do what feels good and then to rationalize it. To actually choose right from wrong. That's why, by the way, I'll end with the whole spending thing. You see somebody, happens all the time. Me included. Everyone included. We're all human beings. I don't walk around all day in rags. 
It's funny when you move environments, you even notice that you change your purchases. Someone's in this world, they purchase like this. Someone's, why is that? Why come when you move your different environments, your purchases fluctuate? The answer is, is that most purchases are emotional outside basic needs. Just once we start getting good with this, these muscles, these new muscles, why do I do this? Is that a rationalization? Just getting it into our heads clarifies our thinking and then gives us the power to maneuver. But it all comes down to one thing. I want to be able to be okay with being uncomfortable. Because once I could be okay with it, then I could choose things that are uncomfortable and then I could decide how to do it. But the minute I'm always rejecting the discomfort, my brain makes emotional decisions and then rationalizes it against other people. Okay, we'll talk this out. I hope that made sense. All right, everybody. Have an awesome day. Buy what you want. Just be mindful about it. But most importantly, I'm, that's just the example. That's just the example. Get Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable, please, so that people around us benefit from it. All right. Have an awesome day. With God's help, I can't wait to see you again tomorrow. Thank mm-hmm. you.